China isn't what it's cracked up to be. The Hutton Biden scandal takes a turn for the worse. The media no longer or has never believed ever in profits. You break the rules and then you pay for them. And so long, Doc. Tua is the real deal. All that and more on today's episode of Beyond This Earth. This is Beyond This Earth. Welcome back to Beyond This Earth, episode five. We were really supposed to be talking about China, but unfortunately, other big news are going to interfere from doing us from doing this particular thing with China. Um, first off, I want to give a short message concerning that particular uh, ent- um, article that Zizan had done for China, because that was going to be our main topic. This week, I felt as though that other things have come up, especially with the recent news concerning um, Hunter Biden and the whole day dust up between Donald Trump and Leslie Stahl. We have to explain a lot of it today, but I do want to say one particular thing. If you did read the article concerning it, uh, remember it took about seven weeks and we were just starting to put things together. I was starting to put things together for the show seven weeks ahead uh, before we even started this, uh, the first, this second season of Beyond This Earth. So episode five, we just had the China thing there, but we didn't know what other things that would be coming up. But one thing that you need to understand about this article is, is that if you are a 30 year old Chinese man, you already have married and you already got married, you have children. This deals with the supposed meme that I saw during the, uh, uh, I think it was last year before COVID took place or maybe during maybe before COVID took place or during that time when COVID was taking place that they had this particular, um, the early parts of the pandemic that they had this family there that lived in China and all the rest of these things. Uh, if you live in that and you have a family, that sort of thing, your grandfather's a farmer, that, your father was somewhat of a bit, not a businessman, but somewhat uh, working in some sort of business that was connected to the government or the local authorities there. And now you're successful. You have somewhat of a degree. You have a, a larger job. You might be a fan of good video games. The Westerners are censoring more towards your standards so you can play more games on the Western side. If they don't fail, then you know that you got people on the other side in China that somewhat they somewhat the same, but you don't care. It's just video games and all that. And everything's being curtailed to your side. Hollywood, that sort of thing. You might feel as though that you're on the top of the world. And you don't care how much technology is being used in that particular aspect concerning what you're doing in your life, who, how many times you're using the bathroom, all these other things. You're kind of like <clears throat> sitting in a catbird seat. Uh, the technology is telling us this, 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 and this is allowing us to do governance with our state representatives 
As long as they protect the party and the party is protected, we fine. We don't care what type of government is running that particular thing. And other people are seeing it in that particular sense, saying that if it can work for the Chinese people, it can work for everybody. And this is one of the, a lot of the things American conservatives, um, those in Bannon's side, those in Revolver's side, are saying that this is not the way humanity is going to go towards. This is not the way we want America to head towards. So look at that particular article, see for what it is. Um, it is the whole thing with China and all of it is that it's related to what I'm about to talk about with this Hunter Biden scandal is this is part and parcel of how Western people do not understand how to take care of what it is given to them and the traditions that they had that brought them to the dance that were good and understanding the things that were done that were historical, bad, good, or indifferent that has to be explained in order to understand how we move forward in this society. So give that a read. I might be talking, I might go back to it in future episodes of the show, but I want to get to the Hunter Biden story. It's related to this whole thing with Google. We're going to put it all together today. We're going to put it all together today. And in the 20 minute segment, it was a fascinating article. I'm only going to read parts of it from Revolver, dealing with Tucker Carlson, success, and how I see it in that particular way, and why I agree with that particular statement that they made about Tucker Carlson, the media, and the whole nine yards of it, when it deals with animation, cartooning, and that sort of thing, which is sort of my forte. Now, the Hunter Biden scandal got way worse. And what I mean when it got way worse is that one American news network started to explain a certain thing that was going on with Joe Biden's granddaughter. Whether it has been alleged, whether it's true, we do not have any sort of data concerning that. I don't want to get into the story details but some of it also has to deal with Mr. Coons, who is a senator that is closely that is close to Biden. He's the senator from Delaware. <clears throat> and so the senator from Delaware, he has a daughter. The daughter allegedly is or how should I say this? Hunter Biden is having some sort of very dark relationship with the senator's daughter. She's underage, so is the niece of Mr. Bi of Mr. Biden. That's what they what Giuliani went to the state uh, Delaware State Police to figure out and what was happening. 
Now, I would not say this was in response to what happened, but the whole Borat thing that took place and the subsequent, it wasn't what it really was, it was, gotcha moment, if you want to call it in that particular sense, but it's not, it's worse than you think it is. I will explain that later. Ever since the New York Post released that data and released that information, the big tech has been on the rampage concerning the censorship of the story. And James O'Keefe later on in the week started a series of three videos that showcase what Google was doing in this particular um in, in particular censorship, how they're handling the election, that sort of thing. It was pretty damning. Then the DOJ in the same week decided to bring about lawsuits against Google following the European Justice Department and the antitrust um, entities over in Japan concerning the merger between Alphabet and Fitbit, which is an exercise entity dealing with watches and how they handle hard information and that sort of thing. And so now they're bringing antitrust against Google, especially concerning with Fitbit and other particular companies as well. And so all of this evidence is coming towards the fore, but Revolver News is also stating that when it also coming with this issue, the Republicans are dropping the ball concerning big tech and the rest of it. So one of their theories in that particular article, and I will post that article later on, on the link page, is that there are going to have to be some major changes into um, Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act. And one of those major changes is that it is not going to make them into utilities, but this will have to protect protected, already protected free speech. According to the Supreme Court, according to all these other things as well, it will have to be figured out in a way where there will be honest ways of how to handle too dirty in that particular sense when it comes to protected free speech, but there may be major changes in the workings when it comes to other particular types of speech concerning the internet. Their main concern, Revolver and other particular entities of note, is that they are... And these entities are continuing to do this, and we are seeing this, making their not allowing resources to come about to have other entities to have a say in search, in advertising, and all these other things, which is causing the rise of Patreon subscribe star and all the rest of it and causing the rise of all these other entities to come about 
and commoditize in the wrong way how information is being sent, stored, placed all over the internet. Now, Mac Taibbi, to continue this whole Biden thing and the censorship with Biden, <clears throat> wrote an article on his Substack, and it reads, take the example of the tape conversations between Joe Biden and former Ukrainian pre president Petro Poroshenko, in which Ukrainian parliamentarian Andrei Durkak have been rolling in and out of press conferences for some time now. Dipak is a highly suspicious character to say the least. A man even Rudy Giuliani says having a 50-50 chance of being a Russian agent. He has for some time now disseminated information that is clearly real beneficial to Russian interests. Nonetheless, the body protocol recordings have been being released, appear to be real. Still, Atlantic columnist Edward Isaac Duvet this summer bragged how the media members learned of their lesson after their experience of 2016 when real emails from the DNC suspected of being hacked by Russians were released to WikiLeaks. The correct path is said is for a priesthood of mainstream outlets to assess whether the material has enough news value to publish. This is um Edward Isaac Dover. It is not hard to feel some deja vu here. In 2016, Russian intelligence agents hacked the emails of Democratic National Committee staffers and Hillary Clinton campaign chairman Bill Pester and delivered them to WikiLeaks as a way to get the American media. Some outlets learned the lessons from that episode and tweeted by the recordings of the Ukraine care. Most mainstream news media outlets have decided that recordings have emerged so far, little new insight into Biden's actions on Ukraine. The Washington Post called Moreno wrote after the recordings were first released. This is Matt Taibbi again. However, they came to reach the public. The Biden Prosecco tastes are a newsworthy window into how America leverages its power to impact the lives of every single person in countries like Ukraine. One major stage came on May 16, 2016, when Prosecco pleaded with Biden to approve an aid package. Prosecco, I think within the last three weeks, we demonstrate real great progress in the spirit of reforms. We voted to implement the part of 100% terrorists, despite the IMF expected only 75. We are launching reform prices for medicine, removing all the obstacles. I agree. This is Biden. I agree. For Zanko, this is Matt Taibbi again was telling Joe Biden that in order to get an American aid package, he will have to go beyond even what the IMF asked for and raise energy prices for ordinary Ukrainians, not by 75, but by 100%, as well as taking steps to curtail subsidized medicine prices. This is newsworthy, but the few outlets like the Washington Post are that even bothered to report on these tapes only did to convey the distaste for the source and the relay news that the Biden camp believed to be a continuation of a long-standing Russian effort to hurt the former vice president. Press outlets began some time ago to describe such material as misinformation or disinformation, even though items such as the Durkut tapes or the leaked calls between State Department officials Victoria Newland and Jeffrey Pryor discussing who should be Ukraine's interim leader after the Euromaidan revolution are neither. By definition, both terms normally require an element of false information. Okay.
this is basically what it is. And then he wrote another part of it, which is also important. In an interview with a, a, a Yahoo on the Move program anchor, Adam Shapiro became the only members of the press, think how shameful it is, to ask a prominent Democrat to make a statement about the veracity of the New York Post story. Shapiro asked Murphy, even if it's an outright lie or Russian, some type of interference, we haven't heard the Biden say it's absolutely not true. We haven't heard the Biden say on the senator to say that. Do they need to say this? To which Murphy replied, I mean, what a victory for Russian propaganda that we're talking about this right now. He went on to not answer the question, which has been essentially declared illegitimate by the press, first of all. The least curious people in the country right now appear to be the credentialed news media, a situation normally unique to Tim Pot authoritarian societies. I will get back to this also in a moment. We head into the issues concerning Donald Trump leaving the Leslie Stahl interview and the reasons that took place. It was an interview with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes with President Trump in which they talked about the Hunter Biden scandal. It got testy to the point where Leslie Stahl was repeating Zeman stack things that Mr. Murphy was talking to Mr. Shapiro, who was one of the only people that was talking about this particular thing with the New York Post. And it kept going, which led into once the producer that was helping in the interview said we were running out of time. We were going to set up for the next thing. Donald Trump decided that the interview was over, that there was not going to be anything done concerning this. Now watch that interview again. And he made a statement concerning about Russia and the whole issue with that. He asked this particular question to Leslie Stahl, which made my eyeballs go wide. He stated, and I'm paraphrasing, you know this has been a hoax. You know this is the, you know all the information that recently come out. To which Leslie Slash said, I don't know that any information come out. The media has said something about this and all the rest of it. I'm going to say something that is going to make Leslie Stahl look very bad. Because Kathleen Heritage, who now works at CBS News, has been investigating this particular thing, both the Biden um, tapes concerning Hunter Biden and the issues with General Flynn when it concerns the Russia investigation for the past six months. And it is unfathomable to me that Leslie Stahl who works in the same company, will not refer to Catherine Heritage, who now works at the same company, concerning these two particular issues. Now, to be fair to Mrs. Stahl, Mrs. Heritage, at this particular time, has not said or verified 
nor that CBS News has verified the information, but she has posted this information for the last six months. What would have been the better thing for Mrs. Stahl to say is that we did have somebody that has been talking about this particular information, Mrs. Heritage, correct? But as a whole news organization, we have not been able to verify her information at this particular time, not to throw her reporter under the bus. This is sad to see that Leslie Stahl threw her own reporters under the bus, both Major Garrett and Mrs. Heritage. It's an absolute to me did i heard that once i heard that come out of that woman's mouth i went like you gotta be crazy before i before did before i left twitter and i'm not coming back until i need to get where i need to go this is heritage i saw her twitter page she had the list she had the information about flynn and the FBI documentation concerning the Russia investigation. And Leslie Stahl came up and said, it's not true. This is any other thing. Throwing her own reporter, her own colleague, both of her colleagues, under the bus. Can anybody explain this? Again. Mrs. O'Donnell in the other side of the thing tried to play fast and loose and tried to give a little bit of crumbs to the conservatives, which is not fair ultimately to conservatives because you don't give them crumbs. You actually tell the freaking truth, Mrs. O'Donnell. But you get to see the bullshit and why the bullshit is continuing on the third segment when we talk about Mrs. Pinto and her little tirade over Netflix. But the Hunter Biden story does not end there. What is ultimately the reason why we have to talk about these particular things is simple. There is another release tape that shows Hunter Biden doing some X-rated stuff and smoking crap pipes in front of women. And it is deeply disturbing. But the article coming from a Chinese dissident is saying that Joseph Biden is fully under control of the Chinese government. That Mr. Biden gave up 18 of 20 CIA agents that were working in China and some of them were killed by the CCP, that Biden has been compromised, that his son 
has been compromised. That a lot of other people working within the administration, I mean, I mean, in his campaign, have been compromised. And that he and China are linked to the hip. And now there are videos that say that, look, China's not a problem. China's not going to do nothing to us and all these other things. But come to Noah O'Donnell, and he said, look, we have two rivals, an economic rival in uh, China and a real rival in Russia. When there is no such rivalry, the whole thing with the Russian investigation was set up by the Obama administration. That is what is leaning towards. And if people don't see it and people don't realize part one is connected to this, which is connected to this, then you are a fool. This whole cloud strike thing that happened in you, I am beginning to start to believe after what I am hearing concerning Ukraine, that some of it had to deal with Hunter Biden. Some of it did. And now, unfortunately, they didn't go towards the actual particular laptop that he had and he thought he could get rid of it. And he didn't know how to get rid of the data. So he just left it there for anybody to just take and use against him and his father. Just think about that, folks. We're in bigger trouble than y'all realize. Really big trouble. One thing that I have to talk about concerning um, Breonna Taylor and the interview that was done with one of the people that was accused of shooting Breonna Taylor. Who told Michael Strahan that he could be a newsman? The person that's supposed to be interviewing this particular man. His name is Pierre Thomas. I don't understand in this fucking news media that the people that are supposed to be interviewing these type of people in this particular time is not a former football player of the New York football giants. It's supposed to be Pierre Thomas, the justice correspondent for ABC News. What in God's name are these people thinking of trying to give Michael Strahan the particular news item that he did this particular interview. Are these people mad? They have to be. Because that's Pierre Thomas's job to work on justice. That's his job. It's not yours, Mr. Strand. Stop out of it. Why are you doing this joke-ass game? It's a joke. Go into the debate, and with the last debate, unfortunately, because they had canceled the second debate, uh, Trump was a little bit more calm in this second debate. Uh, did talk about the whole Biden scandal that is going on, 
but they also talked about things of substance. A lot of people thought that Trump won the debate by being a little bit more calmer than the last time he was doing the debate uh, concerning this. But you now understand what is going on with that particular thing as well. It hasn't changed the needle much in a lot of the polls. Uh, again, with the 60 Minutes interview, one wonders if, and one of the first questions Nancy O'Donnell said to Mr. Biden is, you were here with a double-digit lead. Clinton was here at the same particular time. How is it different this time than last time? So, in my assertion, I don't believe that uh, Biden looked a little off in that particular debate. I don't believe he won that one. Uh, I would concede that he had some measure of success in the first one, uh, but in this, this second one, the only second debate, he did not even uh, was he wasn't even close. He wasn't even close. The Pope recently just did something about same-sex marriage. Um, because this segment's a little bit there, and I focus on the other issue concerning uh, Biden and the media and the the media's uh, capitulation with big tech and all the rest of it. I will put it to like episode six somewhat and somewhat of episode seven. But on this particular aspect, I just wanted to let y'all folks know that when concerning this issue, there is going to be a lot of questions that need to be asked about Francis, uh, Pope Francis as Catholics and how we're going to deal with this moving forward. Because did it break the issue concerning with um, uh, marriage and all the rest of these things? Is marriage going to be allowed um, in the churches, these particular unions? Uh, is it a separate church thing or a separate this and the other thing? We're not sure. The law is still much clear. It's still man, woman, but... Now this addition of this is just getting very strange in that particular sense. There are issues that are going on in Nigeria at this particular time concerning the issues with the safety, with the security and uh, administration board that they call it over there. And the last couple of years in the administration, uh, recent administration that is located in Abuja, that is that corruption is taking place in that area and rapes have been accused. Uh, they have accused a lot of these people who are working in these, uh, in this police force of rape, of other sexual attacks of bribery, murder, the whole lot of these things and arresting people that shouldn't be arrested. There was an, uh, a protest and then there were attacks on the protesters and then there were attacks on the villages and it's very damaging images that one should not see but one must experience 
and look at to see why things are the way they are. A lot of uh, major stars and entertainment figures are asking for change concerning this for this particular program of the police department in Nigeria and the federal and the local police departments to step down and to end their reign of terror as they call it. And it is extremely bad, really bad. Last thing I want to talk about in this segment has to deal with Poland. Poland with the abortion law and its changes. Now they have made sure that the abortion law is the strictest in Europe. They want to restrict this in the world. One of the things they have changed is that even if the child has conditions that would detri be detrimental to himself, um, uh, uh, the, uh, all of these disorders that have come out, that an abortion cannot take place even if the child has a disorder. So it has to be a healthy birth. The child does not, the, it doesn't affect the mother. The child is there. They, there will no, no longer be abortions based on that particular criteria. Wherever that criteria was before is that the criteria is sexual acts of an illegal nature, which is rape, all those other things, incest, and in and when the mother is life is in danger, that's when that particular thing is. It is deeply restrictive as one might entail. There were protests also going around in that particular uh, in polling concerning that. So it is going to be a very difficult time for the uh, uh, for the government of Poland as it tries to figure out how to solve a lot of these particular issues. Um, other people are saying that this law is too restrictive. There may be some reason why they say it's too restrictive, but in a lot of the things when they were under communism, pro, pro, uh, abortion was allowed completely for, and thoroughly. Now it's not allowed. It's a Catholic country. They want it to be more strict, restrictive. And um, it's going to be a fight concerning with that there. Um, you guessed it. They tried to connect it with this particular issue and said that this is America's future. And I don't believe that it is. So for all of us that have talked about this issue concerning Biden, we're going to talk about that more in an upcoming episode of well, at least next week because we're heading towards the election on beyond this earth on episode six so which will be the election episode and then we will have uh all the news concerning the election the whole show will be about the election we'll go through what happened so far because I'm thinking it's going to be reaching so far and see what happened to the votes and all the rest of it uh, in about two weeks on Beyond This Earth. But there will be still be counting ballots, I bet you, until at least the end of December. And then we'll go through the whole process again of unfaithful electors and all the rest of these things and blase, 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 and that's the end. 
the fact that we even reached this particular point is deeply concerning and deeply sad to me that we even get to this point in the last three elections, well, the last couple of elections, especially since 2000. So we'll be back with more of Beyond This Earth right after this. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages. Now return you to Beyond This Earth. Welcome back to Beyond This Earth. Novin Hollerback here. I want to focus on something that Revolver News talked about concerning Tucker Carlson and his rise in Fox News. And I want to read a couple of amazing quotes that the editors at Revolver News stated that ring true to the rest of the entertainment industry. According to analysis by iSpot TV, Tucker Carlson accounts for 60% of all ride revenue with Fox News. Indeed, during the six-month period of February through July in this year alone, Tucker has generated $37.2 million for Fox News and smashed the competition. Now, this is from iSpot TV from Media Post. Looking at the six-month six period, SMI said that Tucker Carlson tonight pulled in $37.2 million as the best Fox News prime-time performer. Right behind was the Ingram angle, $36.6 million, and Hannity, $36.2 million. <clears throat> The top show for MSNBC was 28-point million. That was the Rachel Maddow Show. Two more primetime and Anderson Cooper 360 tied with 19.1 million. The historic popularity of Tucker's show raises a simple yet important question. Why have none of the major networks, including Fox's main network, attempted to copy his success? Wouldn't the fabled marketplace of ideas dictate a certain convergence towards the topics and styles that draw the biggest audiences? Perhaps the ad boycotts aimed at Tucker have scared off would-be copycats. But simply, this also raises the question of why companies would leave money at the table by refusing to advertise on television's most popular cable news show. Something is off here, and it suggests that the media industry does not work according to just a simple profit motive. What if the true goal of a media conglomerate is not to produce a reliable and entertaining news service tailored to its audience, but rather to influence that particular audience on behalf of third parties. What if the purpose of a media company is not to be profitable for its own sake, but influential for the sake of others? He then explains this in beautiful terms. Business models are not what they're always present themselves to be. Movie feeders make money not from ticket sales, but from concession stands. Airlines, likewise, need to sell tickets, but they make way more profit from frequent fire mile rewards programs. 
supermarkets are increasingly big data collectors for insurance companies. Users of Google, YouTube, and other internet social media services might think themselves as customers, but they really are the product as these services collect detailed data on users and sell it to third parties for advertising purposes. The Washington Post provides a clear example of a media company's true business model. Readers might recall that Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos purchased the Post for $250 million. The paper, of course, is notoriously biased against Trump, even by the standards of today's mainstream media. This may be good for business and it may not be, but ultimately that is not what matters. What matters is that the post is directly or indirectly profitable to its owner, Jeff Bezos. If it lost money, but influenced the public and other important constituencies in a manner that resulted in greater success for Amazon, a company 10,000 times its size it will still be a worthwhile investment for Bezos. It continues, any given subsidiary in any company does not have to be profitable in its own right, as long as it benefits the parent company. In the example of the Washington Post, there is a clear parent company in the person of Jeff Bezos. But even absent the existence of a former parent company, formal parent company, one may think of the American power structure itself as the true parent company of any sufficient, large, and powerful media conglomerate. He explains it in this terms for a media empire operating at the highest levels. The influence it wields on the public is far more valuable than the ruling power to the ruling power structure than any self-contained profit that could be generated by optimizing their news product to suit the taste of the audience. This does not mean that profit is irrelevant to a media company. In Tucker's case, his stratospheric ratings are a great tool of leverage and without profit, a company must continually court new investors. But the point remains that for a serious media empire or enterprise, profit is always secondary to influence. Just as social media company's true product is its user's data, the true product of a major media company is the flow of narratives that shape the perception of reality. Wielding this influence over the public mind will always be more valuable than any profit that could be generated by optimizing the news to suit public taste. Rupert Murdoch is obviously the most brilliant media man alive. He owns News Corp, the parent company of the Fox News Channel. In a documentary on Murdoch's career in media, analysis an analysis with insight to Rupert Murdoch's mindset comments on his purchase of the New York Post, which was a very long time not profitable. Narrator, the Post became a New York favorite. Financially, it was a disaster, losing millions of dollars a year. Ron Glover, I don't really think Rupert is in it to win in terms of the bottom line. He likes the idea that he gives him a place at the table. He likes the idea that he could get his position out there. 
He likes the idea that it gets an entree to politicians. <clears throat> Bezos and Rupert's Murdoch's attitude towards media explains why Twitter is so valuable despite losing over $2 billion since its launch. When Twitter went public in 2013, it was an unprofitable company. More than two years later, it has not changed. In fact, the company revealed in its annual take cave filing February 29th that it has lost $2 billion in total since launching a decade ago. Twitter had already accrued over $400 million in losses before going public, but that figure exploded upwards after its IPO, largely due to stock-based compensation awarded to employees. The company's loss Another $525 million in 2015 alone. Twitter was allowed to operate in such a massive loss because it has a profound influence in shaping narratives that then in turn shape the population. Influence the population. Major media companies are not about profits, but influence. There is no marketplace of ideas. That functions in a way that people might imagine. And this applies to any industry that has a profound effect on the narratives and the beliefs that shape the politics, perception, the public's perception of reality, including movies and video games. Our observation of the media does point to an interesting conclusion. The media's job to use its profound influence to ensure the masses interpret political and cultural events through the distorted lens of ideology. Ideology is a mediator that separates the true nature of the institutional scam from the public's perception of it, and the role of mainstream media is to maintain the dominance of ideology through the lens of which public interprets reality. The rest of the article is interesting. I wrote, read most of the article here. I just want to put some simple terms and what we learn or what is learned. This all has an origin. And the origin is the Educational and Informational Act, the Children's Television Act of 1990. That was robo-signed the first robo-signed law by George Herbert Walker Bush in 1990. From that point on, the news media started to grow in earnest. And for whatever reason people might accept or see for things that they don't want to see, this particular thing and the way it was went about and how they accepted certain things and did not accept certain things are the reasons why we have the society that we have now. We have it now the way we have it now. It's because of this EI Act. They couldn't get any of the things that we have now if it wasn't for this EI Act. And this EI Act was supposed to be a social, um, educational, and informational, and social changes of how to treat, uh, how to get children to understand education in the same way of Mr. Rogers and all the rest of these things as were as they were. And what happened? Every other country 
in the world when it has public broadcasting always has some sort of educational channel. Only our country, even with the educational channels now set up, has an EI law. There is no, there is no such EI law over the uh, over the world. The world doesn't do this. We're the ones that do this. And it has been more pernicious than anything that people have seen possible. Way more pernicious. This also brings to effect on the things that we see with Sony and its video games. Uh, even though it has made profit, they said it, it's talk about more influences and all the rest of these things. It has become apparent to me that as the EI laws continue to be there, you began to see a sea change. And as more people get into this whole particular thing concerning this, the way the media does its thing, handles its business, and promote people they wish to promote, you have begun to see that it is all based on a way of life, on a way of living, and a way of understanding what this country is and what is not, and how this country behaves, that is antithetical to the future of the society, that they have seen, or they have seen all types of masculinity is bad, which is not true. They have used all types of pe- certain types of people as a bulwark, as a boogeyman, to not confront the behaviors of other people, and other uh, 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 not to confront the behaviors of others. Then we have a, another thing concerning with using. The con- using more boogeymen from other places around the world, which are not boogeymen, but then when it comes to a more favorable entity, they use it as a way of absolving their own sins while producing even greater ones, such with cuties, for example. They no longer believe in profit. We see it with Star Trek and how bad Star Trek Discovery and how bad Star Trek Picard has been handled. We see it in that particular sense. So all of these things have come to pass and you need to see it for what it is. And it is deeply sad and deeply troubling. Related to this was a recent film by the name of Feels Good, man. And this film had John Michael Greer as a very important role in trying to explain a lot of things in this particular documentary. 
and you feel sorry for the man that did Pepe, the frog, and how that aspect of his life that he was just doing for fun can be turned into something enormous. It is not just him. It's not just him. This type of thing has happened before. It's actually happened twice with one particular genre. I'm talking about anime. I'm talking about the cutesy style, which later went into the Vesco style, which is a thing that a lot of feminists follow as this sort of dour, ugly, sort of, I don't want to be no supermodel. I don't want to be bimbleized, like um, bimblefication and all the rest of these things. But a lot of people don't understand that Megan the Stallion and others are bimbos in, in that certain sense. If we're going to go with the actual definition, this is not to diss them. This is just a statement of fact. But this Vesco era, it comes from this anime thing, from this, from the culture that they were talking about 20 some years ago, 35 some years ago, when this whole thing with women was changing in Japan. But the thing is, is that if we really look at the history over there, all the cutesy stuff that we're doing was based on a culture where the biggest thing in um in the in the, in in the in the girl's life wasn't necessarily the animation or whatnot that wasn't it it was the high fashion that was coming over throughout the world yes the supermodels were there and they were competing in it as well plus the pro wrestling uh zenzo was one of the biggest entities in the world for women uh, for women and girls back then in the 1980s and their biggest stars were in the United States fighting at the time where Hulk Hogan and, Wick and Vicky Richter was going around there. And at the same time, Japan was in such a humongous uh, success all over the world with their cars and all the rest of these things. I made a statement about this a couple of weeks ago saying that if you were a Japanese female who father was working in Toyota your father was set pretty damn well and you have extra money for you to go to these particular concerts you do all these other things and then when you're in school you do these drawings like these cute little drawings and then in these cute little drawings which just don't mean much of anything you list out the boys that you like rich boys that you like Strong boys that you like, devious boys that you like. You hear it in the Bishonin and all the rest of it. This is where the whole Fujoshi movement came about. But the Americans turned what was just a flight of fancy for Japanese high school girls into a whole feminist movement, such as Fatsko and all the rest of these things. They turned it against the thing that it was supposed to be used for which was just fight a fancy fun and all the rest of it in order to look for a husband, all the rest of that stuff into myself, into hating men, using it to hate men, using it this, that, and the other thing, sarcasm, 
High Sark, all the rest of these things. Pepe was used the same way, and it's so sad to see him, especially that he has a daughter, and that's why I feel sorry for him. When he went to the ADL, he said, look, let's use this whole fraud for peace. This is not a symbol of hate. And as we see this whole um, and as we see this whole documentary and we watch him, I know these people. I know all sides of these people. I know every single side. I know how they look. I know how they act. Some of them are my friends. Some of them are my heroes. They act the same way. They talk the same way. I'm talking about the side where Pepe's in. And you get to see this and you just go like, you got to be kidding me. Got to be kidding me. When he went to the ADL and he spoke, and the ADL people said, there is nothing I can do for you at this time. And then the thing that scared the shit out of me, and I want y'all to listen very carefully about this medium, which I want you to do. When he went to the people, I want you to listen very carefully on how sick this world and this internet is because we were just discussing about this earlier. We were just discussing about big tech and how they do this shit, right? These people that were talking to Mr. Um, the creator of Pepe, the actual creator of Pepe, they were talking to him and saying about all these memes. There are people who are actively hunting for these memes. You mean to tell me these same motherfuckers are not using this same technology and trying to make sure this Biden story don't get out? You mean to tell me they're not connected to the same people? They couldn't figure out a way to solve the problem for Pepe. But they can't figure out how to cover for, jo for Mr. Biden, Joseph and Hunter. So I want you to realize how scary this shit is, really. But back to the whole ADL thing. I'm sorry, my love, a little bit too long. And then when I saw it, I said, I feel for this man. I feel for him. Because something so, something just meant for fun is now being used all over the world as a symbol of rebellion against societies and how they have failed them. One of the things that we're going to talk about when Roald Tomasi's new book comes out and it has to deal with religion, one of the things that we are going to discuss is the future of the industries and the businesses and all the rest of these things. 
But the thing that I am going to focus on is where do a man's life lie if religion is a thing for women? Is made for women. And the first religion they believe in is the one of astrology. Not of God, not of Christianity, but of astrology first. And how that thing is combined and how one has to live one's life trying to figure a way through this, whether people like it or they don't. Because I'm going to make this real to you. I'm going to make this real interesting for you. And I'm going to put this in very simple terms as I try to end this as quickly as possible. When Mr. Greer said towards the end, y'all gonna have to figure out what this means. He has a website called Echo Sophia, and he has a DreamWorks page where he talks about the working of the will, all these other things with the occult, all the rest of it. I think Stitch and Amber knows about him more than others, uh, I don't think he really is into that particular stuff, but he also does occult stuff, but he's a little bit more stricter and a little bit more hardcore with it. That being said, I don't want to get into woo-woo shit today, but he talks about a great mutation in the astrological circles. And a lot of the astrologers that if you follow them, if you don't follow them, it doesn't matter. They've been talking about the grand mutation that we're in this cycle and there's another cycle and there's another cycle. 280 and a 20 all happening and all conversion on December 21st, 2020. Then the whole day is going to be in alignment in 2020. Last time it happened was in 2005, but none of the things turned around in that particular sense. But now you have this one turned and that one turned and that one turned. What he basically says is basically saying that, look, the gram mutation is about to happen, but I'm not telling you how this shit is going to fall. Y'all folks better figure this shit out because I'm going to make this very clear to you. This whole thing that Roald Tomasi is saying is a pressology. Fine. But that pratsology better be connected to something much bigger and much more substantial for a lot of men. Because, folks, if the things that I'm seeing are anywhere close to the bullshit that is happening now, you motherfuckers are in big ass trouble if we can't figure out a way to save Catholicism past a certain past this year. Because Everybody's bending down for secular bullshit. They're not bowing down to a God. They're not bowing down to a religion. They're bowing down to secular bullshit, secular sins. They need to be taken care of by religion. And if this grand mutation is leading towards to something I am scared of saying on this fucking radio program, you motherfuckers better go get this shit taken care of. But I've said it too far. I'm talking too long. This day should be meant for the special. And I will say more when the special starts. But I'm just saying, you keep making women into gods. 
when a woman does become one, do you really think she will have your prayers answered the way you think it's going to be answered? Just let y'all know about that. We'll be back with more right after this on Beyond This Earth. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages. Now return you to beyond this earth. Well, folks, if you break the rules, you will pay for them and pay that Miss Pinto did. Atlanta Pinto is an anchor for the Boston station, the semi-independent station channel seven in Boston. She was in a movie cosplaying as Harley Quinn for the Netflix movie starring Adam Sandler. And she was making fun of the news business. Channel 7 in Boston has been going through a lot since 2016 when they lost the affiliation with NBC and NBC decided to create a brand new station out of whole cloth in order to begin the process of setting up their other entities as well. So they boiled in a Boston campus along with the Philadelphia campus, along with the Miami one, along with the one they have in Los, uh, in other places as well. So Pinto was in the movie and a lot of people in that particular station did not like the look of her dressing as Harley Quinn in this movie. It broke their code of conduct and she was ultimately fired. But this is nothing new. In the news media is that in certain ways she was a little bit more honest to a point she didn't tell management about her movie with Sandler she didn't explain the situation to her bosses there was no sign-off agreement as far as I know. And she just did it willy-nilly, did not take it on the consequences. But these days in the local news media, there is not much consequence to be have. And especially in the national news media, selfies are the order of the day especially when it comes to even greater tragedies. A lot of this information can be seen on FTV Live, Scott Jones. Make sure you join his Patreon, even though I don't, and I will never accept Patreon for all the breaking news concerning that, as concerning the local news media as well. And you get to have an understanding on why the media 
continues to lose relevance in entertain in the entertainment structures. It is becoming apparent, and I said this a while back, that it is not when it concerns the media that it is mostly the entertainment side that is hurting them. It is the news side of their entertainment entities that is hurting them mostly, especially the actions and the behaviors of their journalists. And it is very difficult for people to get it through their heads is that the news media in each of these particular um, media corporations, media conglomerates, are sadly, whether people like it or not, are considered to be the adults in the room of these media entities and media companies. And when the adults in the room are behaving just like the children, or let's just say the more or less mature side of adult life, as you might put it in that particular words and sentences, then people will have a horrible look at the rest of your media empire. And they're beginning to see that as well. We'll be back with more on the final segment of Beyond This Earth right after this. Beyond This Earth will continue right after these messages. Before we get to the end of our broadcast, let us talk about some recent hirings and recent retirements. One of the retirements we have to really talk about, and I have to be really honest with you, I thought he had a few more years in him, but 2020 is such a very difficult year to predict, to see who will stay and who will go. But it's a happy retirement, and I believe some respect should be put on his name. Truly a special man by the name of Doc Emmerich, and he really is a PhD. Doc Emmerich was the principal voice for the NHL on NBC. Before that, the NHL on Fox did some episodes for CBS. Most of you who are around 30, 40 years old know him mostly from the NHL on USA, Friday Night Hockey. He was with the legendary Mr. Hart, who was in Philadelphia at the time, and they were discussing the post-game show. I saw that uh, that particular thing it was a uh, unbelievable quality for something that was made in 1980. But then again, Ed Snyder did not spare no expense, especially when it came to this particular technology of fiber wire and fiber cable. You should see some of the theories that he had for some of it there, mostly not on the whole technical side, but what it could do and so on for uh, networking and all the rest of it. And uh, that fantastic talk with Mr. Hart, 
uh, was sort of a young man who is a Baptist, a Methodist minister, excuse me, who was just getting his sea legs going, and Tom Hart showed him the way. It, it was like a, a a mentor teaching an apprentice in the art of the work that he did. And it was a beautiful sight to see, really beautiful. And I don't want to say anything bad about this man. He covered the first game of Brett Favre's career when he was on CBS for a time and then went back to NBC. He did lacrosse when the NHL was uh, on strike and for the last 12 years was the principal voice of the NHL on NBC. And boy, he leaves a legacy. I love some of the calls that he did, even though some of it may call him too hokey. But, you know, about these Methodists, they come from a place where things should be hunky-dory. The only sad things that happen in life is when people move away and they come back and they call. But this is a special man. And everybody knows how special he truly is. And when you see the artwork that he does when he's talking about the whole game, even at his old age, he has this beautiful placard. It's a construction-based paper. It's done the way it's been done. It looks like it's done from 1965. It is just the players on one side, what they did, and the whole review. And he may have a whole bunch of it downstairs. That's where Summerall was so good. That made all these men who did all this work for anchoring for all these sports, what made them so good. But what made uh, Doc Ambrick a little bit different than others? Is that no, he was not Bob Cole. No, he was not Mr. Hart from Philadelphia for the Philadelphia Flyers. He was somebody that tried to do a lot of things differently. He talked about all the other things that happened in the hockey world. Uh, children playing their championship games, high schoolers playing their championship games, reminders of what happened back in the past, in the recent past. Um, all those other things as well. And um, Al Michaels, who called some of the greatest hockey games of his time, came up and said, there's a man who brought people to the NHL, and it was him, and it was truly him. And to lose somebody like that to retirement, especially as the NHL is going through a lot of difficult things now, you never know what's going to happen. The way that he used his language, it's almost like the way Summerall used his language, even though today there was a time when, and people need to realize this, that CBS has some of the greatest uh, 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 anchors and some of the greatest play-by-play um, -play men ever to, uh, ever to run that mic. 
And in that particular sense, it is truly special for uh, 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 for the whole hockey world to even have such a man, such a Doc Emmerich. And it is a truly sad thing to see him go. He's not going away. He has many people that truly love him. A wife of many years that has been there. A church that will accept his their son back on every Sunday. And it is truly a day that he is a man that Jim Nance respects, that Joe Bucks respects, that everybody that has always been around him respect. And uh, our country is should be proud, especially at this particular time, that uh, such a man can still exist in a world where everything around him has not reached up to the standards that he placed even upon himself. So I say thank you so much, Mr. Emmerich, for doing the games, even though the games have left him. He tried his best, and he never gave up on this sport, on the sport that he loves, and he never, and he always looked at the good things that the Americans did and uh, uh, for our, our country and everyone around him as well. It is those types of things that made me realize that I can't be hating on people like that because I know where their ancestors, who they are, both the bad and the good, and they're good and the good ones stand the test of time and have a lot of things to teach all of us of any race of how to be a fantastic human being and doc Embrick is one of those fantastic human beings another fantastic human being is tua tagovailoa <clears throat> he was in alabama and he was injured about several months ago uh nearly a year and this injury was a similar injury that ended Bo Jackson's career. And from all of that, Tua Tagovailoa never gave up, never gave in. His family is so strong. And he reached the NFL. And even though that the Miami Dolphins are 3-3, three and, three, and even though that Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing extremely well, despite all the challenges against him, and he was heartbroken that he lost the shot, they believe Tua Tagvalova is a special player, and they're going to give him a chance. You know what he did when they announced that he was going to start? He walked to the 15-yard line, and he just stood there. He just sat down, half in prayer, half in, in amazement that he reached here, that he was blessed to be even on this league, in this field, knowing what he has gone through would have ended everything. Such men like this still exist even at this late stage in America. And I'd like to tip my hat off to Tua Tagovailoa and especially to Nick Saban that they raised these young men to be fine, outstanding citizens. And we're seeing the results of it today. That's Nick Staben right there. 
That's faith right there. That's his family right there. And that is shows you the measure of a man when he is thanking the man, the, per, the day that created him, the creator, for giving him a shot in a league that has allowed a lot of bad things to happen to itself and to others. <clears throat> and, but at least that something still matters in this world. And another thing and another retirement that just been announced that uh, Khabib will retire after 27 matches, no losses. He lost his father to COVID-19 and he had defeated a recent, he had a recent match and he won. He held that title. One of the greatest fighters I've seen no nonsense, no nothing. There are good people in this world, and he is one of them. His mother pretty much said that you got to stop. And his father wasn't there, and he said as long as his father is alive, he was going to keep fighting. His father is no longer around. It's not that his heart is not in it, but he's a man of his word. And all I can say is I trust men of their word. So I wish him the best in his retirement. One last thing, dealing with space. We had the information 42 years ago concerning phosphine with Venus in particular. And it turns out that data was already there, but we kind of forgot about it. We made some things talking about these particular days and we did mention it in school books and whatnot. But it seems that even then we forgot about these days. Now that the data has been matched together, there is a possibility that Venus in certain ways may be viable. So now we're possibly, I did not say maybe, but I said possibly going this way around with Mars and Venus. But with Venus is going to be a little bit different. We're going to use dirigibles to stay above the clouds. That will be very interesting. And we might be using certain technology to actually build a cloud city up there. But that's at least 2,000 years away. A lot of people are saying that it is going to be much easier to get to Venus than to get to Mars. But here's what I say. We get to Mars in five years, we get to Venus. We might be able to build things on, on Venus faster because of the way our the gravity is set up. We might even find a cloud uh, entities there. You might never know. The common entities that I mentioned in the book that I saw when I was younger, when I was a kid in uh, elementary school, grammar school. So we might find those cloud-based entities there because phosphate is existing, but no one's down, but no one's in the low, no one's down on the ground because it's too hot and all the rest of it, global uh, 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 warming there. But there is cloud-based beings up there somewhere. Or we're not sure. 
it could be very interesting. So now is now the possibilities have turned. We have places to go both in Venus and Mars. Who would have dunk it? So we got a lot of work to do. But in the other particular news, and I don't want to do this on a sad point because a lot of the things that we're doing is a bunch of sad news, but Boeing is over doing it with the rockets and the way the rockets are set up and a whole lot of these things. It's just not working. And a lot of people on YouTube are complaining about these things. So I don't want to end with that, but let's just say that we have places to go and a lot of time to get there. So that's where we're going to end the show for today. Thank you for listening. Next week's show, we're going to talk about Kanye's interview with Joe Rogan, which was a fascinating interview. A lot of it, a lot of the stuff concerning the whole slave thing is explained in ways I never thought it would have been explained. You know you're going to hear from Mr. Button and others and all the rest of these things. And I will explain all of that as well in the first part of the 30-minute segment and the last part of the 20-minute segment. We're going to do all that. Plus the continuing story, continuation of the story dealing with Hunter Biden. It's getting worse before he is even getting better. If there isn't even a better and it is going to reach the top of the Democratic Party. It's bad. It's very bad. And then we'll have more continuing uh, uh, news concerning Nigeria and uh, Poland with the abortion issue as well. And then a whole lot of things. We're only about several days away from the election. And we have to talk about the election and the votes as well. And all the rest of that as well. So, thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. This is Novin Hollaback. We will see you guys next week on Beyond This Earth. Beyond This Earth is a Garo Gothic production.